This is the John Favreau's My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. <laughs> did, the, did the intro scare you a little bit, The Monica? intro freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> it was like, and I was like, <gasps> I saw my life flash before my eyes, all eight of them. Yeah, but then you were reassured when my really soothing voice came on. Yeah. This is the John film. <laughs> I don't even know how to say Great it. Great impression of me. I wish my voice sounded like that all the time. It doesn't. It does not. I, it, it's a special voice to yeah. put on. I'm the know? annoying one. I have, I'm the one with the annoying voice. You have the soothing, sultry voice I've of been, a million stars. I've been told I have a soothing voice. I did a, I'm on another podcast called All in My Head that I play a therapist on. And they hired me because they're like, you have the most soothing voice. It sounds like it should be like ASMR. And I was like, nah, I disagree. I think my voice is annoying. When should I we back do ASMR? Comment. ASMR da- daddy. ASMR daddy. It's when we're just so. It's where I say the word John Favreau John. a thousand times. John. John Favreau. Happy Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome to this week. This is a very special episode. This is a special episode. This is our audio guy, Aaron's mm-hmm. birthday episode. Monica's husband, my friend, our audio guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Aaron. <laughs> it's his birthday today. It's, it's his birthday. Well, it's not while we're recording. It's, it is the day, the exact day it comes out. Though. Yeah. So today on December 8th, it is mm-hmm. his birthday. Wah, wah. Happy birthday. Happy How old are you going to be? You're 26, right? You. 26. What happy an old man. Happy birthday to you. Happy, 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 happy birthday to you. <laughs> I'm going to throw in a little remix in there. Exactly. So we... I was going to say we let, we asked Aaron. We let him choose. We asked him what daddy he would like this week to be about. Um, And he chose. Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Same name. Same name. Different person. Different careers. (laughs) Different levels of success. (laughs) What are you talking? You're not married to someone as famous as Aaron Sorkin? No, I'm not. What? (laughs) Um... Aaron Sorkin is a, uh, uh, he writes things. He does write things. We love when he writes things. We don't, don't love, love when, when he, he directs, directs things. things. We'll share our thoughts on that. We'll give you some context. Exactly. Um, but I love Aaron Sorkin as a writer. He has so written. Good. He wrote one of my top two fave shows ever, which is The Newsroom. Um, so you just say. The West Wing. I've only seen a season, but boy, did I love that season. Boy, did I love that season of The West Wing. (laughs) It's just such a long show, and it's all about the president and politics. I just just can't watch it all the time. Politics, I just can't bring myself to watch it unless I'm drunk. And I don't get drunk very often. I don't watch it. (laughs) You sound like Moaning Myrtle. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Harry, Harry Potter, <laughs> you don't come into the bathroom without asking me. <laughs> I'm peeing. <laughs> I'm going number one, not number two. <laughs> Harry, pay attention to me. <laughs> so this has turned into a an Harry Potter impressions <laughs> podcast. 
Anyway, back to Aaron Sorkin. Anyway, Dumbledore. Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. My favorite writer. My favorite writer of all time. <laughs> Better than Harry Potter. Who? Harry? No. <laughs> Well, this is my favorite bit we've ever done. Uh, this is good. This is good. Uh, Aaron okay. fucking Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Well, tell us a little bit about him. Uh, I will tell you about him. Okay. Aaron Sorkin is an American screenwriter, director, producer, and playwright. Sorkin was born in Manhattan and grew up in Scarsdale. He graduated um, from Syracuse University in 1983 with a BFA <laughs> in musical theater, which is very surprising. So, uh, what? <laughs> I don't think of Aaron Sorkin as a musical man, but he loves that. Okay, he, wait. He loves the musical. close your eyes and picture Aaron Sorkin? Like, you know what he looks in, like. In like Oklahoma. In like Oklahoma or like even worse, like in Dear Evan Hansen as Evan Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> It's me, Aaron. <laughs> it's me. I'm a star, baby, a star. <laughs> but anyway, so he got a BFA in musical theater and pursued acting for some time, supporting himself by delivering singing telegrams. Can, can you see. imagine getting a singing fucking telegram from Aaron Sorkin? I'd drop dead. I don't know about you. <laughs> I would I would pass away. <laughs> I don't know if I would realize at first that it's him because I do know what he looks like, but I think I would be so just like, it can't. Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin has a big ass mouth. He got a big ass mouth. That's great for singing. That's great for singing. Lots he of resonance in there. The song. <laughs> and he sings along. <laughs> so anyway, to support himself while trying to be an actor, he delivered singing telegrams. He drove limos and he bartended at the Palace Theater. Wow. Sorkin began writing while house sitting for a friend. He found a typewriter, started typing, and the rest is history. Is it though? I don't know that it is. I think it's present times. <laughs> yes. After writing only two plays, Sorkin got a theatrical agent and then wrote A Few Good Men, for which he sold the film rights before the play even premiered. What a fucking joke. Okay, everyone just needs to pause for a second. This doesn't happen. This Ever. never happens. Ever. You don't just write two plays and then become incredibly rich and famous. That's not what happened. I work in theater, everyone. This is the same world of the something's gotta give uh erica barry being a really really like millionaire this is playwright. like the same universe this shit doesn't it's it not, doesn't happen it's not true aaron sorkin is lying aaron sorkin is false <laughs> he's not, i don't think he's lying but you know we're just jealous that's yeah. really what it is um but since then he has gained fame for creating and writing popular tv shows such as sports night the west wing and the newsroom as well as feature films and developing his director trademarks the main one being fast-paced dialogue and extended monologues complemented by the storytelling technique the walk and talk the walk and talk which if you don't know that what it what that is i will tell you it consists of single tracking shots of long duration involving multiple characters conversing while they walk with other characters entering and exiting the conversation as the shot continues. If that was confusing, it's because it is. It's just walking and <laughs> fucking talking. And I shouldn't have said it's just director trademarks. They're also writing trademarks of his. Yeah. Um, he has won five Emmys, two Golden Globes, one BAFTA, and BAFTA. one Academy Award. He is also the literal daddy to one single daughter. A single daughter who gets all of them cake and the cookies and the love <laughs> and the ponies it's just me daddy daddy i want a pony daddy i want you to write me a play <laughs> and make it so i'll do it for you <laughs> daddy i want tom cruise to take me to the prom daddy you know tom cruise have him take me to the prom <laughs> please call him daddy please <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm very sorry if this is insulting to Aaron Sorkin's daughter. We love you, Aaron Sorkin's daughter. We have no idea who you are. I think her name is Roxy. Roxy Heart. Can you imagine if Aaron Sorkin loved musical theater so much he named his daughter after a character from Chicago? Chicago. I mean, this is it's possible. This theory is not unfounded. Let's get into his films, shall we? We shall. So this is the big one. We're going to start with the number one. We're going to start with the one that came out of the typewriter. Okay. We're going to start with numero uno, the one that came out of the Rona, the Corona typewriter. Not. By the way. Because it was in 1992. Okay. Probably the electronic typewriter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which, by the way, if you like typewriters, Tom Hanks has a typewriter app called Hanks. Hanks writer. Hanks. Hanks with an X. Hanks. H-A-N-X. Thanks, Hanks. Thanks, Hanks. Um, a Few Good Men mm-hmm. came out in 1992, as Jessica so cleverly stated. I'm sorry, I ruined it for you. Written by no, Juan Aaron Sorkin. Surprise! Of Dumbledore fame. <laughs> Directed by Rob Reiner! Again! Again! You know, you see two different sides of Rob here as a director. <laughs> you saw him in When Harry Met Sally, mm-hmm. and you see him in A Few Good Men. Yes, the duality of man. <laughs> the duality of man. <laughs> uh, based on the play by Aaron Sorkin, uh, and a little bit about it. Lieutenant Dan, played by Tom <laughs> Okay, say his real name. <laughs> <laughs> he was right there. <laughs> Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, is a military lawyer defending two U.S. Marines charged with killing a fellow Marine at the Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in Cuba. Although Caffey is known for seeking plea bargains, a fellow lawyer, Lieutenant Commander Joanne Galloway, played by Demi Moore, convinces him that the accused Marines were most likely carrying out an order from a commanding officer. Caffey takes a risk by calling Colonel... Nathan R. Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, to the stand in an effort to uncover the conspiracy. Yes, yes, yes. Even if you haven't seen this movie, you know the iconic lines. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. The iconic line. Uh, it is in the movie. It is so. <laughs> the, the things have just like escalated to such a point where he has to say it he has no like he's legally obligated to say you can't handle the truth well the thing is is i think because you and i in 2020 seeing this Mm -hmm. film for the first time Mm -hmm. we've already heard that line a million times without actually seeing the source material it came from this movie i know so at the time it was a super fucking clever line so (laughs) when it comes out of jack nicholson's mouth yeah. it seems really insincere because that line is so cheesy mm-hmm. coming from us to women in 2020 yeah who have heard you can't handle the truth about mm, three billion trillion <laughs> yeah. times all in different contexts yep. so coming out of jack nicholson's mouth in that way I laughed out loud. Yeah, I was just like, oh, <laughs> Lord. He was like, you get dead. Or da, da. But it became iconic for a reason, because it's an iconic line. It's iconic. Y- you know, it's it, it's a good line. Well done, Aaron Sorkin. Well done, Aaron. <laughs> good job, Aaron. So this this is Aaron Sorkin's first 
screenplay. His first screenplay. Um, which very impressive first screenplay. Um, it you know what's so funny is I enjoyed it because it felt a lot like a play. Mm-hmm, um, which and <laughs> go figure because it was a game from a play. Um I I love I obviously the dialogue was fucking stunning. I yes. mean, people don't fucking talk like that. So. No. It, it be what it they be. They don't. They don't. <laughs> but that's not his it. that's not his bag. That's not his vibe. That's no. not his, his MO is not to be like quote unquote relatable. His vibe, his his MO is to be as godlike as humanly possible. Exactly. <laughs> um and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I obviously am not a big like military movie fan. Same. Uh but I enjoyed this film. I think that it had its weaknesses. Yeah. Um, in that it did a lot of telling and not showing. It sort of like told you what was happening as it was happening. Yeah. And the characters were all like, this is happening right now. And then I'm going to tell you what happened after it happened. This movie doesn't treat the audience like they're very smart. Yes. Um, or like, like it loses a lot of. Um, the joy that comes in watching a movie where you get to figure shit out yeah. and you get to like assume things and deduce. It doesn't have a, it doesn't hold a lot of tension that way. It mm-hmm. holds tension in other ways. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't hold a lot of tension in the un, quote unquote unknown. Um, it, yeah. Because it doesn't do, sorry, Aaron, it doesn't do a very good job of, you know, trusting the audience and saying, mm-hmm. you guys got this. We don't have to explain it. You guys can see on the screen what's happening. Yes. They don't they don't trust the audience at it all. It is a pretty complex story. Um just because there's there's a lot of fucking names. There's a lot of titles lot getting of names. thrown around. There's a lot of which I found very confusing. A lot of like ranks. Which yes. obviously if you're a, a part of a military family. My brother's in the army and it didn't seem this complicated. Um, and specifically <laughs> the Marine Corps. It's like a big ass deal. Yeah. Um, and there's just a lot of like different ranks and like different ranks within the ranks. And it's like it's it's so bizarre. And I think that being led into this world mm-hmm. um, as I have to be honest, I definitely had to read like like pause the movie and like look up what each of the ranks meant sure. and like why certain people were um, in the rank that they were in mm-hmm. and like what a p- platoon leader what like I had to be, I was that bitch like I was sure. the bitch that was like I need to pause and like look this up so I can have a little bit of context. Um but other than that, like it was very in your face about like who was who and like why, like what their intentions mm-hmm. were and like why they were who they were. Um, which I also, I sound like I'm contradicting myself because I'm like, I had to look it up, but I also don't want to know. <laughs> like, I, well, I don't want to know that much information. The thing is, is like Aaron Sorkin can't tell you everything you need to know. He can't like define the terms for you, no. but he can spell out the story. So like, I guess, because Monica and I like kind of the energy when you're watching a movie of trying to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. That's why this script felt, I don't want to say it fell short because it didn't. It just like wasn't the Aaron Sorkin that I was used to. Um, because he tells a little bit, he gives a little bit too much information. But I think he did that because he understood that it is a very complex issue and it's 
existing in a very complex system of the Marines. And so he wanted to give you as little gray area as possible. I think that I had my biggest, again, like that was my biggest issue with it. I Mm -hmm. think the reason I had it is because I came into it knowing it it came from a play. I fucking adore that. I love plays. I love, it makes me want to watch the play, which Mm -hmm. by the way, they're doing like a live retelling of the play on HBO um, really, really soon. It's very, very exciting, which is why we couldn't find it anyway. We had to, we had to buy the fucking movie to watch I have a really great story about my pursuit of buying this that Monica, you don't know the story. I don't know the story. You you can tell us in a second, but basically I don't, I can see how on stage this would have translated perfectly because on stage you have very little to work with, especially in what, 1992, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have very little to work with technical wise, like technically. And also, um, being that it is not a, it's not a very visual medium. Mm -hmm. Like you don't necessarily like the majority of what you use to communicate on stage with is words and like feeling Mm -hmm. right. Like the acting. Yeah. Um, and I think that this would have translated, I mean, it obviously probably did. I'm acting like, I'm acting like, Oh, like when it's a play, this is what it should be. But it already is a play. play. And I think that what, what, what I imagine the play, how, why the play worked so well Mm -hmm. is because, a lot of this dialogue is very explanatory. And in a play, you have to have that kind of dialogue, especially during this time, especially if it's a linear play. Mm-hmm. And even more so if it is a nonlinear play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I just think, I think in that way, I appreciate it. I don't necessarily think that it needed to be this way as a film because it it's a very visual storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. So I just don't see how, I, I, I just think you could have dropped a few pages. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, the only thing is, is like, because so Aaron Sorkin has a very distinct style and this gets into like what I love about Aaron mm-hmm. Sorkin. Um, everything is like very fast and very snappy and like it's, it's, his, it's pretty his scripts sexy. are very like active and they're yes. very alive. Um, and so I think when things are moving that quickly in a way, it feels like you're helping. I can see how from his perspective, he would think he is helping the audience by including a lot of information mm-hmm. because he's like, it's going so fast already. And it's it's got to go fast because that's my style. Mm-hmm. But I don't want them to miss anything. It's like, I understand where he's coming from. Absolutely. Um, I think it took away a little bit of my like joy of suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, Intention. But yeah. But um, besides that, I loved it. There are some obviously we said it already like iconic moments in this Mm -hmm. film that you've seen um i do want to talk about like the moments that we feel like it's the most Mm sorkin-y um because uh, the movie as a whole felt very it felt very unsorkin-y and it and it it had moments where he sort of peeked through the most that i really appreciated yeah the sorkin we know now yes because obviously this was the world's first intro (laughs) Exactly, exactly. The Sorkinese wasn't 100% there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that one of the moments that stood out to me that I was like, oh, this is an Aaron Sorkin film is when Tom Cruise, who plays Kathy, mm-hmm. was super, like, he was, like, getting shwasted and, like, yelling <laughs> yeah. at Demi Moore and what's-his-face, uh, 13 Kevin Jews. <laughs> Kevin um, Pollock. Yes, which by the way, that was not I wasn't saying he was yelling at 13 Jews. I was saying that um what's his face plays Mr. Maisel in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and he has a story where he's like Kevin Pollock. I saved 13 Jews from Germany. <laughs> what the fuck did you do, Tony Shalhoub? So just saying. 
Um, but it it peeks through in that little monologue. He has like a very yeah. He just starts very, scr- he's starts screaming and talking so fast and ends it with some sort of statement about like the galactically stupid. I know, which is, which just is such so Aaron Sorkin line. And then he throws papers off the table, which is and also like, so Aaron Sorkin. Oh boy, the thing is though, is that like. <laughs> They see these moments seem so extreme, but like honestly, what a fucking dream as an actor. Because Ugh. even though they're so wordy and they're so fast, it comes back to that like cliche but very true concept behind acting of acting is reacting. Mm-hmm. And these are the most reactive Whoa. pieces of dialogues ever. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine being an actor and being handed an Aaron Sorgan script and saying, like, go? Like that's like, crazy, crazy. To me. Like there's what just a so much to do with it. What a dream. There's so many directions for it to go. The words, the words are insane, but there's also so many of them. So there's just like, you can be so creative with it. You're not put into those situations as an actor where you, where you have a three word line. And I love you. They're like, do something different with it. And you're just like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? This pot is heavy. <laughs> this pot is heavy. No, Monica, say it like you're scared of the pot. This pot is heavy. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin doesn't put you in that position. No, he doesn't. He goes, this pot is heavy because it's big. It's black. It holds so much. And it's a galactic fucking mistake that you fucked this up and bought this fucking pot. And that's Aaron Sorkin. Yes, exactly. Um, the content of this movie. So Aaron Sorkin is really interested in government, politics, the military, law. law. He fucking loves this shit. He he's he gets a big hard on for like the courtroom drama. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And this is this is the his first. So this is like his big courtroom yes. drama. He um, was a courtroom drama virgin before he wrote this. Yeah, exactly. Um, he makes me care about those things, I think, as much as a filmmaker can make me care about those things. I was going to say, it's not a... I'm not going to say I don't... I, I don't mean I don't care about politics, but I don't give a shit about, like, the, the military's definition of honor. Right. You know, that's very hard for me to understand and get behind. And I think Aaron Sorkin got me about as close as I could get to, like, really grasping that. Absolutely. Um because that's just not something that I really like agree with. I think a, I think a lot of this movie is about is okay. <laughs> Everyone has a very different opinion about whether or not this movie is pro or anti-military. Yes. I honestly think it's anti-military. I don't see anywhere in this movie where like the military is, is a positive force in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always thought that that being in the military is supposed to, you know, make you humble. It's supposed to yeah. like, bring you a sense of humility, like one out of many, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I am one of many, um, and a lot about this movie is the sense of entitlement that being in the military gives you like almost like you are better than so you are mm-hmm. better than the many you are one out of many um, and I just think that telling that kind of story and painting a very specific picture of the military that holds a lot of truth honestly like yeah. a lot of people abuse that system absolutely um, and a lot of people think that it that's okay that they have they are entitled to abuse that system because they are the ones who are protecting us at night. Yeah. Um, and I just don't think that that's, tr- I, I don't think that that's a good enough reason to no. have that sense of entitlement. I really, really Neither don't. Do I. Um, and I think that this movie plays around with that idea. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Aaron Sorkin has a very specific 
specific opinion about it as a whole. I just think people in general take very different ideas from this film. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's an anti-military film. Yeah, because if, if you haven't seen this movie and you don't intend to watch it, or even if you do, whatever, um, Tom Cruise and Demi Moore are defending the two Marines who uh, killed a man. Um, and murdered, yeah, a man. murdered yeah. a man. They did it quote unquote accidentally because they were just following orders that were given to them. You eventually find out by Jack Nicholson. Um, and so Tom Cruise is defending them and being like, no, they were told to do it. They were just following orders. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Bacon beautifully is the prosecutor. <laughs> oh my God. And he's like, no, these men still committed murder. And the whole time, I think you're t- supposed to be on the side of Tom Cruise and Demi Moore, but I was like, no, Kevin Bacon is right. Yeah. Like, these dudes committed murder. I don't care if someone told them to do it, but then you kind of, you're, you're told that like within the military, things work a lot differently than in like quote unquote real life. Yeah. That like, if you're given an order, you fucking follow that order or, or someone you, dies or someone dies or you get kicked out or whatever. And you'll, you find out at the very end that apparently being dishonorably discharged is about the worst thing that can fucking happen. It's to worse you. than going to jail for the rest of your life. It's apparently. worse than dying. It's worse than <laughs> lying about your guilt. It's, it's the absolute worst thing that can ever happen to you. Um, and I, find it very hard to buy into that entire concept because the mm-hmm. whole time i was just like no kevin bacon is right these men jack nicholson deserved to go to prison but so do these other fuckers absolutely i think that within the military specifically and a, a, a big you know a big comment that this film is trying to make is like the military works very differently than quote-unquote mm-hmm. real life right yeah it's a very different world like these are men and women and people who are protecting our borders and protecting our livelihoods and lives and and what have you and protecting your freedom right mm-hmm. and because of that because of their you know ultimate sacrifice they are operating on a very different wavelength like they're yeah. they're operating in a different world on a different planet yeah there's like a different code of ethics absolutely there's a completely different code of ethics what you know everyone is entitled to their own opinion i don't think that that is warranted i don't believe that just you know having that you know having that opportunity and being that person like someone who you know lays down their life for someone else or someone who makes the ultimate sacrifice and is like no no no, i'm going to give my life to the military like absolutely like you know we honor them and 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 are grateful for for you know our military for protecting our nation i don't know how that (laughs) lets you get away with like murder of your own people no (laughs) i don't uh, get that the thing is is that aaron sorkin makes you think about both sides and i did find moments where i was like maybe maybe they should maybe they should be innocent Mm -hmm. i don't know which like it takes a good writer um to get you to that point where you're questioning both sides and i also I would say that you can't really tell what side Aaron Sorkin himself is on. Exactly. Which is good. You are given so many different angles on this entire argument. Um, And in a way, I'm like, it seems like, oh, Aaron Sorkin believes that these men are murderers because he ends the story with them being dishonorably discharged. And he recognizes that for them, that's like worse than death. Absolutely. So he is giving them the consequences that they deserve in a way. In a way. 
Um, I guess I just think that I love that we're even having this conversation or that yeah. this, this screenplay even opens up these kinds of conversations because that that's what makes a good screenplay. Yes, that's is how you when, know it's a good movie. Well, that's how you know it's a good play, too, mm-hmm. is when you leave the theater being like, you know, it's a lot more complicated than just black and white. Yes. And um, Aaron Sorkin is the king of gray. Like, he's the king of that gray area of, of the... Uh, was this okay? Did we want to root for this guy? Did we not want to root yes, for this guy? Yes, moral ambiguity is, is something he does impeccably. <laughs> his name is Aaron Moral Ambiguity Sorkin. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name. Uh, and with this specific film, you can see, like, obviously glimpses of what he will eventually become. <laughs> the His evolution, mm-hmm. his Aaron too, um, and you start to, you start to see like glimpses of 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 who he's going to be as a writer. Yeah, and I think this is this being being your like first screenplay. Like, holy shit! Like, yeah. this is crazy. I'm pretty sure this is the movie he won his Oscar for, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it was for the Social Network. I think yeah, actually the Social um, Network. But he was nominated for this, and that's insane. He wrote two plays, and then this happened. It's like that. You have to. <laughs> Then you start to think about, well, you know, there's the whole argument of like hard work versus talent. And I just think the man is fucking talented. (laughs) I have no doubt that Aaron Sorkin would have put in the hard work, though, if this if he hadn't lucked out with because like someone saw the play or someone like read it beforehand who happened to be connected in Hollywood. Like it was a matter of luck. But I, I believe that Aaron Sorkin would have, you know, powered through, did some fucking hard work. I think it's a really good movie, especially if you like Aaron Sorkin. Like I love Aaron Sorkin he's one of my favorite writers and yet I had never seen a few good men that's so funny yeah it's really it's really interesting Um, Jessica and I both feel the very the exact same way about Aaron Sorkin his writing is just so alive Mm -hmm. and like it makes you like I never have to have like a coke when I am watching his films because his script gives me the energy to like stay awake and alert throughout the entire fucking film which by the way I'm notorious for falling asleep during (laughs) films so that's why I'm even mentioning this um but A Few Good Men was a very pleasant experience and a very interesting look as you know obviously like neither one of us has has ever seen his first film and like it was really cool and interesting to like come from from a place of like we've seen his much later works and coming back to his very earliest work. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Very cool. Like I found myself kind of smiling being like that's sort of like where he's going to you know, like blossom and flower into the butterfly that yes. he is. The butterfly with the round glasses that he is. <laughs> and now we both own the fucking movie. So I know. And now we both own which by the way you have to tell us before we move oh, on. Okay. Okay. How you came to own so this movie. So we so okay we tried doing like recording this episode prior to this but a few good men was not available literally anywhere you could only buy it for like 12.99 and monica and i were like is an episode a single episode worth 12.99 i don't think so so we decided to watch the trial of the chicago seven instead after watching it we were like we cannot do an Aaron Sorkin episode without doing a few good men. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I went on Amazon and I found a DVD of it for seven ninety nine. Great. Cheap enough for me. I ordered it. I was like, cool. I'm going to come back from my trip. I'm going to watch it as soon as I get back. So I get back. I go, I don't have a DVD player, but I do have like a disc drive that plugs in. But you know how <laughs> fucking Apple doesn't have USB ports on anything <laughs> anymore. And I couldn't find the fucking adapter. So I'm no. sitting in my house going, okay. So I have this DVD that I purchased specifically for this occasion. Of so course, I didn't have to spend twelve ninety nine on it. 
what the fuck am I going to do? And then I'm like, I just, I'm going to have to buy the movie again. <gasps> no. So I go on the television, Monica, the price it's still there, but the price has been reduced to guess what? Seven ninety nine. the fucking price I conceded to purchase it for in the first place. Oh. So now I have bought it twice. Oh my God. Both for seven ninety nine. <laughs> I could have just spent twelve ninety nine initially and still, still profited. Still spent less. <laughs> still spent less. You are insane. Insane. The movie gods do not look favorably upon you. I think I'm going to try and return the DVD, but like I opened it and everything already. I don't know if I can. I think you're just going to have to be the guy who owns. I think I might just have to be the person who owns a physical and a digital copy, <laughs> copy of a few <laughs> Even though you had only ever seen it once very recently. Yep. It's like, I don't even know that it's like, it, did it end up making it into like your top 20 favorite like movies of all time? No. No. I mean, I liked it but i'm not good I, a courtroom drama is not gonna I make it into my top 20 films no 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 so jokes okay. on me i guess that was aaron sorkin's little prank for me you are so funny oh my god <laughs> that'll be featured on my next podcast pranked by aaron sorkin pranked by as aaron sorkin <laughs> all right guys moving on to our second film the social network the social net the social Net. You've all probably of the three we're going to talk about. I think you've all probably seen this movie. Uh, if you if you have seen an Aaron Sorkin movie, this is probably the movie that you've seen. Yeah. Whether or not you realized it was an Aaron an Aaron Sorkin <laughs> yeah. movie, which I don't know how you couldn't. It's it, ha it has all the markers. Exactly. It was directed by David Fincher. Mm -hmm. It features a very like like smart and and isolated and also like above everyone else. Yep. Your main character. Yep. It's got snappy dialogue. Yep. It's got you know a a a, a lovely contrast between mm -hmm. the good and the mm -hmm. bad the mm -hmm. moral ambiguity mm -hmm. it's got it all baby got it all it's got the talk and walk we've got it all <laughs> all right so this is the social network 2010 directed by david fincher as monica said written by aaron sorkin based on the book accidental billionaires by ben mesrick in 2003, Harvard undergrad and computer genius Mark Zuckerberg, played by Jesse Eisenberg, begins work on a new concept that eventually turns into the global social network known as Facebook. Six years later, he is one of the youngest billionaires ever, but Zuckerberg finds that his unprecedented success leads to both personal and legal complications when he ends up on the receiving end of two lawsuits, one involving his former best friend and Facebook co-founder Eduardo Saverin, played by Andrew Garfield. What? A film this this movie is in my top 20 favorite movies ever this is uh, yeah 100 percent. first of all this movie so like there are really fucking good movies in the world and there are like perfect movies and there are movies that where you're like wow mm -hmm. like i can't really find a lot wrong with that movie yeah no movie i don't know that any movie is like perfection perfection no. there's always something wrong humans are humans and when humans make art they make mistakes also because art is subjective so peace of mind <laughs> I think specifically the social network is like a fucking triumph. I think it yeah. does exactly what it was supposed to do. And I think that if you're measuring on a level of success in mm -hmm. terms of like how it tells its story and where it gets from point A to point B, this is a perfect movie in my opinion. Yeah, this movie is invigorating. Like you feel al fucking alive yes. watching this movie. Absolutely. And like it's based on a true story. It's about fucking tech, which I am not interested in. I'm not in. interested in Silicon Valley. However, however, this movie, this movie, oh my God. I like, I can watch this movie 
over and over again and still find it interesting and be excited for all of the parts that I know are coming. I've seen this movie a million times. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this movie a million times. I, uh, I, this is a movie I do own on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> this movie you want to own this on is DVD. This I went out and <laughs> bought on DVD. <laughs> um, starting with sort of just like the outline of the film, I think that the film's structure is impeccable. Yes. I love all of the beats in the film. I love where we're at. Like I love how tight Act One is. Like mm-hmm. mm, I love a tight Act One. Oh, it's a tight. It ass is a tight. Act one. She keeps it tight. It's a tight <laughs> Act One. Like yes, honey, give it to me. I love a good. <laughs> the Act One in this film is like the 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 time and the pacing of the Act One in this film is the, is the Act One I want all films to. Have. Yeah. Uh, also, this is one of the most perfect marriages between film and score I've yes. ever seen. The score in this movie, like, like I drool over the score. Who's the composer? In this movie, it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. That's who Trent it is. Trent and Addie Baby. It's so good. Uh, I also bought the album of this score on iTunes after I saw this movie. <laughs> so you know, I really like it. <laughs> um, first of all, this movie was fucking lightning in a bottle because you don't necessarily have a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, uh, attacking the story mm-hmm. of Facebook. And also attacking the story of Mark Zuckerberg as a human being. Yes. Who is he? What What are his morals? Why does he do things? Like, no one at that point in time had been like, yo, like, let's do this biopic mm-hmm. of Mark Zuckerberg, specifically at this point in time, and specifically as he is facing legal charges yeah. for, as he's being sued for taking Facebook over mm-hmm. and, like, becoming, like, like the sole proprietor of Facebook or, like, yes. the, the main the main shareholder Mm -hmm. um along with a hilarious justin timberlake (laughs) hilarious justin timberlake as uh sean what's his name who Uh, founded napster sean parker sean parker sean parker Parker. founded napster (laughs) and he is just fucking insane and he's absolutely insane he is the one who gives the iconic line in the film where he's like drop the the drop the the just Facebook. Facebook. It's cleaner. <laughs> and then just saunters and then away. Just walks the fuck <laughs> and away. Struts away. <laughs> and why Jesse Eisenberg was playing Marty Zuckerberg is just sitting there like What? All right. I just got shot. <laughs> I just got shot. Uh, this this movie, okay, so Aaron Sorkin, we've said it we said it when we were talking about a few good men, but like his signature is this quick, snappy, like witty dialogue. It feels like a fucking ping pong match like it's crazy he's so good at writing this crazy complicated fast dialogue and like strapping you into that roller coaster but he does it in a way where like everything is weirdly clear yes so you're just like i'm on i'm on board um a few actors i think can keep up with that that pace Mm -hmm. tom cruise in um a few good men tried his best i don't think he was entirely successful i think he did relatively well but yeah Um, but jesse fucking eisenberg was (laughs) made like he was incredible he was born to speak the words of one aaron sorkin absolutely like there are actors that are like when you marry them with an aaron sorkin film they Mm -hmm. like shine they like i had never really at that point in time 
consider Jesse Eisenberg to be like an actor. actor? I didn't really know like anything about him. Like, I mean, I knew he did the squid and the whale, mm-hmm. wh- I, which I think was pre 2010. Yeah. So I, I had known that he was in that movie. I hadn't seen that movie, but this is the movie that put Jesse Eisenberg on everyone's fucking map. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. He is so incredibly like focused and also so funny in the most like unintentional way yeah but obviously it's intentional on 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 his end it just comes through as completely like accidental and it is so yummy like i adore i adore his performance in this film well like when he has that opening conversation with rooney mara Mm -hmm. who this is another early role for her and she's she's only in it briefly but she's really good in it um they're having an argument and then she breaks up with him Mm -hmm. um and she says dating he was like dating a stairmaster (laughs) which (laughs) is so fucking funny because i imagine that's what it's like to be with aaron sorkin as well i agree they just seem like kindred spirits him and mark zuckerberg yeah which is so funny aaron sorkin is attracted to like really um smart and Mm -hmm. very obviously morally ambiguous and also just very like go 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 people yes that are like kind of giants in their world Mm -hmm. and he's you know obviously we're not talking about moneyball now but like with moneyball with molly's game um with steve fucking jobs like with the social network he's attracted to like people who think really outside of the box and and are oftentimes like they oftentimes like pay for it like it's it's often a challenge in their life it is both a challenge and a triumph to be who they are and i think that that's who he's attracted to the most because i think that he's very similar to that like what his what his assets are are also his faults and i think that that really shines throughout all of his screenplays yeah and i that's obviously why he's so attracted to like these giants in like law and military and politics and tech because those are those types of personalities like you said and it just oh god they just mesh mesh so it's like beautifully together perfect harmony like there are people who make movies and they pick people to work on those movies and it doesn't always work out the way that you want it Mm -hmm. to and the end result is kind of like a mishmash of like you know, this was good, but this wasn't really good. Yeah. But I'll, I'll, you know, we call it like forgiving a film for sure. being a certain way. Like, oh, I'll forgive the writing because all oh, the directing was so good. Yeah, or exactly. like, oh, I'll forgive the score because the writing was so good. In the social network, there is no forgiving. Like mm-hmm. all of the things exist to only uplift the other thing. Yeah. You can tell how intentional everything in this movie is. And obviously a lot of that is due to David Fincher and a lot of, to the actors as well mm-hmm. but they need material to fucking work with absolutely and aaron sorkin brought it he's so hyper aware of exactly how fast he's moving um and he recognizes it and almost kind of looks at the audience and is like but we're gonna go faster yeah yeah and it's so smart it feels like you're in drugs when you're watching this yeah movie. um <laughs> contrasting with a few good men he actually trusts y- you as the audience member to be on his wavelength yeah which obviously was missing from a few good men but he snaps that right fucking up in the social network yeah, like this is a complicated movie it's very complicated but the moving pieces and this obviously has a lot to do with the director being incredible david venture is fucking incredible at telling fast-paced mm-hmm. stories and making them very very clear to the audience a lot of showing and not telling mm-hmm. um but with aaron sorkin's writing he like he ups the voltage with every act 
Yeah. And you are prepared as the audience member to go along that ride and you don't lose the momentum. Yeah. Like you understand, like he sets up all of the pieces in, and all the beats in the film and all of the dialogue is obviously like snappy, witty, crazy. And you are, as the audience member, equipped for that. Yeah. So when you get to the end, you feel like you've run a marathon with the movie versus in order to catch up with the movie. Yeah. But at the same time, you've still, he's managed to keep you engaged enough to still feel for the characters that are otherwise shitty. Yes. And still find the points of relatability because like, I can't fucking relate to a lawsuit over billions of dollars regarding creating fucking Facebook. There's nothing relatable about that, but there is something relatable about losing a friendship and having business and friendship destroy each other yes in a way like those are very relatable feelings so for us to still be on board with that and able and well equipped enough to feel those things at the Mm -hmm. end is a marker of a really talented writer yes and a lot about this movie a lot a lot a huge message of this movie is like your ambition sort of like eating you alive Mm -hmm. um like your ambition taking you so far as to destroying you um and i think that aaron sorkin does it so brilliantly in the social in the social network because he he takes you to the edge of the cliff sometimes like he'll say you know um mark zuckerberg is going to face these consequences and then takes you away from that and says no no no, not yet right like he 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 says not yet i know he (laughs) fakes you the fuck out a lot because he's in the real world people don't face these kinds of consequences all the time right and it's it's how he keeps his characters morally ambiguous Mm -hmm. because he's like they don't always fail they don't always falter they may make a mistake and that doesn't always lead to a consequence and so you as the audience member are sitting there being like okay he didn't get in trouble for this so are we cool question mark and then he gets in trouble for something else and he loses things that matter most to him in different ways so he fails in very very different ways and i think aaron sorkin does an incredible job of letting that like flower throughout the film and being and faking you out as the audience member Mm -hmm. and saying no he's not going to get this consequence but he is going to lose this this relationship yeah exactly um there you're just pulled in so many directions by this movie like and a lot of it comes down to the actors as well like Mm -hmm. this movie was a huge fucking springboard for everyone in it oh god like jesse eisenberg andrew garfield nobody knew who army hammer was when he was in this movie no. and he plays two he plays people. two people he plays twins yeah um <laughs> the dialogue in this movie is very verbose so it's just it kind of um really like brings you in to what i like to call like how a god would talk yeah sure. um and not really like real people and <laughs> as long as you get over yourself like as long as you get over that like no one's gonna say dating you is like dating a stare master like no one says that no but you that's something you wish you said when yes. you left the conversation so exactly so an aaron sorkin <laughs> film the way that this specific movie goes is they all say things that you wish that you thought of in the car on your way home from arguing with that person. Yeah, like the fucking scene. You know the scene mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield ste- yes. like, stomps into Facebook, into Facebook and he gets pulled to the side and told that his share had been Well, no, 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 no. First, Sean Parker's like, um, excuse me, Mark is 
plugged in right now. But first he got, he walked in and he got pulled away and was informed that yes. his shares had been dissolved. Yes. And then you see, they do that wide shot and you yes. see him in the very back and, and you see him realize like, what's happening. And he just explodes. And then he stomps forward and he yes. has that fucking line where he breaks the laptop. Yes. And he's, he's like, I must have forgotten my like Prada backpack and my fucking yes. flip flops. Yeah. This is shit that you wish that you, you would have you had said. said, which is why it's so gratifying. Uh, you're like, you yes, it, bitch. You're like, yeah, eat kill them him, up. Kill him. Don't leave a single crumb, bitch. Eat, the eat it up. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so fucking good. I mean, I could go on for days about the social network. It's just a really, it's a really fucking Honestly, incredible movie. Like at the end of the day, people watch movies because they bring them joy or, mm-hmm. or they provide entertainment value. This is strictly entertainment. Like yeah. this tells a very compelling story, but also like it's very dramatic. And it's very, like, yeah. And I mean, it's kind of depressing when you realize like, okay, Mark Zuckerberg has all this fucking money, but and he's nobody alone. likes him. Exactly. He's fucking lonely. Exactly. So, ugh, it's a great film. Go watch it. It has 10 out of 10 squids for us. Yes. Um, we love it. We love it. Moving on. Perfect segue into the next, the next giant who has fallen mm-hmm. in a different way than, <laughs> than originally intended. Uh, Molly's Game, which is his very first directorial effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica and I will get into him as a director in a moment. Yeah, this, this is an interesting episode because it's the first time Monica and I are talking about things that we don't necessarily love. I mean, other than when we talked about The Mummy on the Brennan oh my God. episode. <laughs> but we found incredible things to we say found, about that. I mean, we made it like fun, but um, I think this episode we do have like a lot of different opinions yeah, on things. Absolutely. You know, which I think is interesting. I think it's fun. I think it's fun. <laughs> Tell us about the movie, Monica. Molly's Game came out in 2017. A great year. Great year for Molly's <laughs> Game. Uh, written and directed by Aaron Storkin, based on the book by Molly Bloom. Mm-hmm. The true story of Molly Bloom, played by Jessica Chastain, a beautiful young ex Olympic class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high stakes poker game for a decade before being arrested in the middle of the night by the FB fucking eye. Her players included Hollywood royalty, <laughs> Toby McGuire. <laughs> Sports stars, business titans, and finally, unbeknownst to her, the Russian fucking mob. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Her only ally was a criminal defense lawyer, Charlie Jaffe, played stunningly by, by Idris, Idris Elba. Elba. Idris Elba. Who learned there was much more to Molly than the tabloids led people to believe. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Okay, first things first. The screenplay is glorious. Beautiful screenplay. Jessica I mean, Chastain. I have met people who didn't like Molly's game, but I really liked it. I, I thought really it was loved great. Molly's game. Yeah. A lot I would say it wasn't necessarily a divisive film. Like I wouldn't say half the people loved it and half the people hated it. No. I would say like sixty or seventy percent of the people liked it and then like thirty percent of the people did not We're like, like it. it was fine. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> oh, it was it was um uh, it was it was fine. So yeah. specifically the screenplay of the film, it's so fun and original. I've never ever I'm I don't know anything about poker. I I didn't know that it could be this like insane and dramatic and crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love that he brought that to my attention as he always does. My boy, Aaron Sorkin, my close personal friend, Aaron Sorkin. Um, <laughs> and I thought that the choice to cast Jessica Chastain as Molly was absolutely inspired. Like yes. she is the perfect level of like 
direct and like level-headed and also like deeply scared Mm -hmm. and like she was just so fucking good in this film um and i think idris elba like oh my god he has the bet in my opinion the best monologue in this film um it's so fucking good but specifically with aaron sorkin's writing in this film Mm -hmm. we love his directing (laughs) (laughs) it leaves something to be desired i will say okay so about his writing i like this movie a lot i did feel at times that he got into some territory where it felt more like aaron sorkin talking than aaron sorkin writing a character because like these are real people in the social network the writing was very varied from character to character because they're based on real people and you have to talk the way that the real people talk in this one that was mostly still there but there were moments where molly was speaking and i was like is this actually how she fucking talks probably not um not just that the this the the movie had pacing issues Mm -hmm. um specifically around the middle to the end (laughs) so almost the whole movie (laughs) um it had it had pretty significant pacing issues yeah um it 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 left a lot to be desired directing wise i think that he got just you don't have to tell jessica chastain what to do like that's just not something that you have to do and you don't have to tell idris fucking elbow what to do that's not something you have to do um yeah i just think there was so much and i hate to say there was so much about this film that i was like i think he's trying to be david fincher and i don't really appreciate it well so i don't know if you've read this but when he decided to direct the movie he was like i don't know what to do and called david fincher asking what to do so it makes perfect mm. sense that that's why it looks that way the thing is I it's very hard for me to verbal to articulate like exactly how I feel about Aaron Sorkin as a director because like I don't like him as a director no but the movie got made and it was a relatively good movie and so therefore you have to go well he did something but (laughs) (laughs) he got got made he got good performances out of his actors he told an interesting story but I don't think there was anything special about it I can't point to something in terms of direction and go that's Aaron Sorkin no and I think that's the biggest issue that I have with his directing and you'll we'll talk about it a lot more when when we you know dive into a little like the we have a bonus moment about (laughs) travels to chicago seven but he doesn't have a directing style and that bothers me to no end because he has such a distinct writing style exactly he has such a distinct voice so you think like oh this will translate so well into his directing style. Uh-huh. Like he will, he, it'll be, it, it's not going to be like a David, David Fincher film. It's going to be more like um, in your face, kind of a little bit less stylized um, and just a little bit more like snappy. That's what I imagined his directing style to be. Yeah. And that was nothing <laughs> like what Molly's Game or uh, Trials of Chicago 7 ended up being because I think it, it's literally just like, not the carbon copy, but like the yellow one underneath the carbon copy sure. uh, version of like the David Fincher film that I don't appreciate. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're exactly correct. Um, I I do think that it takes a talented filmmaker slash writer to keep me invested in interesting things that I don't give a shit about, mm-hmm. aka poker. I don't give a shit um, about poker either. Aaron Sorkin, I said it previously he likes to write about things that a lot of people don't give a shit about or know or know anything about i mean plenty of people who know about poker watch this movie and mm-hmm. plenty of people know about poker i don't and there's a lot of technical poker shit in this movie and yet i was like 
I'm right there with you. I'm following along. I don't know what any of it means, but the stakes are still made clear to me. Absolutely. Which does that does take a talented writer to convey those things and to get keep your audience engaged when they might be fucking zoning out because mm-hmm. the only thing on the screen is a graphic of cards flipping over. <laughs> yes, I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I felt like I was watching... Uh, like a video game when that was happening i was like i don't get it but i understand that it's supposed to be important because it's on the screen yeah i also like how he wrote um like the player x character that was great in this which i know obviously molly bloom is somewhat responsible for that because this movie is based on the book and in the book she combines everyone into a player x kind Mm -hmm. of thing player x is supposed to be like a combination of a number (laughs) of celebrity (laughs) poker players poker <laughs> participants uh mainly toby mcguire which is probably why he has no career anymore uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this movie came out in 2017 and very conveniently the last good thing he did was in 2017 so. <laughs> anyway um but so michael Sarah plays player x um and he's so fucking good in it he's kind of like scary i never thought He's, i would see michael sarah as scary and i love <laughs> michael sarah he is one of my like i he's one of my favorite comedic actors mm-hmm. like he's so good and it was so incredible to see him shift into something so like, like he played evil? like he played like a big bad boy you know what yeah. i mean with big bad boy pants and like i'm a big bad boy with a lot of money and i got a lot of power and fuck all of y'all. Yeah. And he was scary. And I've <laughs> yeah. never seen Michael Sarah do that. Neither. He's always like a little, he's always, he, you know, no offense, but he always plays like a little bitch. Like, yeah, like a little constantly. quiet bitch boy. Uh, but no, he was a big boy in this movie. <laughs> he was not a bitch boy. In he was this not movie. a bitch boy. He was real scary. And I mean, he scared Molly, which is saying something which because is she's crazy, a tough bitch. She's a tough uh, it was just so uh just the storytelling was great like yeah. the story itself the plot of molly's game is incredible I yeah think and it's, understanding like what is at risk it's so unique and it sort of brings back the whole like she was doing something low-key shady but you're still ro- rooting for her yeah like she was doing everything legally until one moment of racketeering it was like it was like she was doing everything great until she wasn't yeah and And then then, but then the government took like way more than what was owed to them because a lot of what she did was legal um understanding the legalities of everything going on was a little complicated i will admit that being that was wait how is it legal to run a gambling ring i don't really understand but it technically was because all of your employees were on the books and you filed taxes and blah 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 blah. it's just i'm not familiar with that so that part was kind of difficult to understand but um I was just, I needed to look it up just because I, I needed to refresh my memory. It reminded me, I was like, what the fuck is that movie by Adam McKay called? It reminded me a lot about how like the big short gives information. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it was just, it it, like presented it to you in a really direct way. Yes. Um, Done with a lot of voiceover. Done with a lot of voiceover. (laughs) And you're sitting there as the audience member like, I understand the basic premise of this, but you're not going to get me to understand like the details. No, understanding how the housing bubble burst in 2000, whatever the fuck year it was. Very, very (laughs) difficult to understand. 
2008? Yep, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't remember. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, okay. So I will say Molly's Game as like an ending note. Very good. Jessica Chastain is very, very very good in this movie it's also like a really well shot movie it's it's beautiful it's a yeah. gorgeous film there are some really lovely shots like when she's driving down the like the hallway the highway in north hollywood i think she's in think, or studio so. city yeah, or some yeah. shit and she like has to stop and get out of the car she, like, she's pissed and she's, like, and she's in her sparkly dress and she's like, leaning on her car and then they do that they do that nice wide shot of her yeah. leaning on the car it's really it's, it's beautiful really nice. yeah. lots of reflections happening there um sort of my last like thought about this film Mm -hmm. i love jessica chastain she has a lot of power as an actress um and she brings a good amount of like feminine energy to the film sure i think that a lot of the film feels very masculine yeah and feels very like mansplaining Mm -hmm. even though the words are coming out of her mouth yeah uh (laughs) which makes me feel kind of sad because a lot usually aaron sorkin's pretty good about writing female characters i think that a lot of it had to do with the directing yeah i the thing is it's like i just don't know i don't don't know know. what molly bloom is like as a person i haven't read her book i don't know what that is like i assume based off of events in the movie she was talked down to so much by men that maybe she has just adopted this style of speaking Um, i don't know exactly i guess one of my biggest like problems with it is the fact that it feels very like mansplaining, especially, especially the the like the the whole, I wouldn't call it like the climax of the film, but one of the because this film has many multiple like, climaxes. climaxes. Um, but one of the climaxes of the, of the film is when Jessica Chastain as Molly Bloom is sitting in like um outside of the skating rink mm-hmm. and she's like talking to her father who is a therapist played by Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Um, and he's like explaining to her why she feels the way that she does and he's like okay i'm gonna give you like 12 years of therapy or however long it was yeah in in two two minutes minutes. and i'm like okay yeah all right like comes back to aaron sorkin's thing of him constantly needing to tell you where you are and what the fuck is going on yeah rather than just saying it in like a smarter way sometimes he does it super well like Mm -hmm. in the social network sometimes he does it really poorly like in molly's game where you're like, you could have just said that differently yeah. in a way more like real nuanced way. It was very kind of, it was viciously masculine in the yeah. way that it, it, that it gave you the information. Yeah. And he was almost talking down to her, mm-hmm. which I don't, I honestly truly believe in my heart that that wasn't the intention. Sure. I don't think it was the intention of the director and also the screen, the screenwriter <laughs> yes. to make it seem like he was talking down to her. But that's what happened. Well, especially because that's the scene where they like, quote unquote, reconcile. Which is, like- <laughs> it, you know, what's so funny is, you know, that it wasn't a good scene because you don't feel like they no, reconciled. You're like, wait, do you you're still like, hate each other? Because like everything he just said, like this, this bastard, like you're not going to, you're not going to have a happy relationship with him. Yeah. So they're all in all there's a lot wrong with this movie and there's a lot right and i think that it falls somewhere in the middle where i loved this movie but not in the same way that i loved the social network no um or the one episode of the west wing that i saw um honestly i think aaron sorkin's writing lends itself really well to television yeah it's lengthy baby um i think he gets to do everything he wants without being constricted by a time like by time you know Mm -hmm. um or like a really long play yeah 
So usually we only do three movies. We're not technically doing a full fourth, but we're going to give you a little snip of a fourth just because we have a lot of thoughts. We have so many thoughts. So we had to because it was just so recent. Mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin very recently released a movie on Netflix called The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yes. Based on, you guessed it, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, go figure. Um, so I'll give you a quick synopsis of the movie. Please do. So this, it's the story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges, mostly conspiracy charges, surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. It was a lot of people protesting the war, um, protesting the, the, the Democratic nomination in general. Um, there was a lot of fucking shit going on crammed into just under two and a half hours. Just about, yeah. Um... A story that has already been told multiple times via documentary done by HBO. There have been movies done individually about all of the people who make up the seven. Um, There is a movie coming out with Lakeith Stanfield Mm -hmm. um, about it's the head of the Black Panthers. The movie is called Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm much more excited about this movie coming out. Much more excited. Because it tells the story that I think is more important it's about Fred Hampton and William O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that that story is told in like a side. Yes, that story is much more intriguing to me as a package, right? Yeah. My personal biggest issue with Trials of Chicago 7 is it feels very manufactured. It feels yeah. like someone took all the, like, okay, Aaron, this is what I imagine happened. This is not what happened. This is what I imagine <laughs> happened. Aaron Sorkin is in his basement. Yeah. Okay. And he has a bunch of different pictures with numbers on them. And he goes, this is the story of the trial of the Chicago (laughs) seven. And he has a wall that's, that's magnetic. And he has little, he has little orange magnets and he goes, how can I make this a story? Yeah. And he takes each one of the pictures with the the numbers and puts them in different orders and then goes, this is my movie. And that's it. Yeah. Unfor- so this one was directed and written by Aaron Zorgan. And unfortunately, I don't think this one was written well either. Oh. Um, it felt very disingenuous. It was so scattered. Like, And the thing is, is this movie got incredible reviews. Yes. And I don't get it i think it has a little bit to do with because it feels very topical and very relevant it's very of the time i think a lot of people are only seeing its relevance and going oh it's a great movie because it's relevant but on a technical level this is not a great movie not at all um i mean okay we're being very harsh because it's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. So yeah, the movie as a whole is a good movie. Like it is a good movie in, by itself, right? In its own in, in its own vacuum world. I it's mean, like, I, I don't agree. Right, right. So we will disagree. Which is totally fine. <laughs> I think the movie by itself, directed by some other guy, written by some other guy. Sure. Sure. Like it stands alone. I think it's very topical, and it definitely made me very emotional. It was very like. It needed to come out right now, and it and it definitely had a lot to say, but a lot of it had to do with the actual like history of the trial of the Chicago Seven. So, a lot of what it had to say was real and wasn't necessarily like dramatized or, mani- or, or manufactured. And all those parts, the real parts, I really enjoyed. Um, and I think being an Aaron Sorkin film, it's kind of <laughs> this is going to sound really harsh. It's kind of unacceptable <laughs> that it's that it's not that it wasn't like perfection because he had molly's game to to test it out and 
he should have learned. Well, they wanted someone else to direct it. Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct this what movie. What the fuck? And the, like, they've been passing this around for like 10 years. And then all of a sudden he was just like, I guess I'll just do it. And then it got made. And that's how the movie feels. It feels like a bunch of people said, okay, I guess we'll just make it now because it's been passed around for so long. It's like, I understand what they were trying to do with this movie. I understand that they were trying to, you know, let the story reveal itself in testimony. But that's not what Aaron Sorkin fucking does. He gives you every single distinct piece of information when you need it. And he decided to take his formula that works pretty well and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to slowly reveal things to an audience when I had when we the audience have not been given enough context for fucking anything. The movie like the action of the movie starts and you're literally going, what is happening? You know what? It feels very theatrical in that way. It feels like very I I think it's exciting to a detriment. <laughs> like it's it's very theatrical and un I just think that the movie as a whole, like I, I think it has a pro a, a big problem with it, the way it was directed. I think that the screenplay was pretty tight given like the subject matter and like what it was and what like if you measure like the success rate of like what it was supposed to do i think it was a pretty tight screenplay i do not they just need to stop letting aaron sorkin direct his own films period yes um because we also agree about the performances i think that the performances themselves like as an ensemble cast i think they they all had very unique perspectives and they all gave very unique performances um that i loved I feel I like that way about some of them. I mean, like, <laughs> I think Eddie Redmayne and Jeremy Strong carried this fucking movie on its back. And I think three quarters of the way through the movie, they realized, oh, fuck, this isn't interesting. Let's hire Michael Keaton to play a character who hasn't been in the first 90 minutes and have him give some gravitas to this story I that it deserves. I Jessica. I was like, this is how it happened. They called up Michael Keaton. They were like, hey, Michael, baby. Michael, Michael. You want to be in this new big shot Netflix movie, Charlie Chicago 7? It's an Aaron Sorkin film, baby. It's going to be big, big, big. And Michael like, goes, yeah. And they go, but you're only in the last like 20 minutes. It's just really confusing to me. And everyone's praising Sasha Baron Cohen's performance. And honestly, I just don't see it. His accent is bad. His performance is masturbatory. Like, I don't <laughs> like it. It's like Sasha Baron Cohen being like, this is my chance to shine as a real actor. And then making the entire story about him when like, it's not. It's about eight different people. Even though it's called Trial of the Chicago 7, it is about eight people. I totally agree with him <laughs> making it all about himself. And I eat it up <laughs> See, you're on board for it i'm like i don't stand for this and then aaron sorkin took liberties with like real events that happened he in totally the fucking movie did. so like the movie ends it's supposed to be really inspiring because the the defense gets one last chance for to like make a statement and so they all agree that eddie redmayne is gonna get to make a statement and the judge is like he, the judge has fucking had it the judge is a fucking asshole well the judge is a racist yes asshole. he's a racist asshole that aside he's like I'm done. You need to make this statement really short or else I'm going to hold you in contempt of court. And Eddie Redmond like, cool, I'll make it short. And instead he reads like the 5,000 names of the people who have died in Viet the, the soldiers who have died in Vietnam since the trial started because the trial mm -hmm. takes like almost an entire year. Yes. What we 
aren't told is that Eddie Redmayne's character is not the fucking person who read those names. No. Also, the names weren't just read of soldiers. They were also read of the Vietnamese people who died yes. at the same time. And yes. it was read by someone totally different who in the movie is supposed to be like, he's like the less attractive family man of the group. He's the one who read it in real life, but they gave it the fucking Netflix touch and had like hot Eddie Redmayne First read all, the names and be like I, super noble at the end. I just don't like it. I know you said that Eddie Redmayne took like carried the movie on his back oh obviously along with in terms of his acting i mean i fucking hate him (laughs) like i hate him in this movie he was my least favorite character in this fucking film i was like little bitch get the fuck out of chicago get out of this get out of this township get out of town i don't want you he was the only person whose performance i could like get behind him and jeremy strong like they're okay only people i could get behind i could not buy joseph gordon levitt as a prosecuting attorney for a fucking second that was first of all it was adorable. <laughs> it's it was so cute adorable. that you cast Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> as um, the go- American government's prosecuting attorney. Uh, okay. There's a lot to admire about this film, personally. <laughs> For Monica. <laughs> the individual. Remember how it was like, in the basement, there's Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, He's in, in his overalls. in the basement. He's got the orange magnets. <laughs> the yeah. individual, like... I guess like beats of the movie uh-huh. I love like they I think it's a triumph in that way the individual beats of the movie I'm like yes I'm here for it I think that the end result was a problem with Sorkin as a director they just need to fucking strap him down and <laughs> not let him do anything <laughs> um but and I do love the performances so we've got like two different opinions here which is totally fine I totally see what you're talking about by the way 100% like, you're sitting here and you're like I love the individual beats I'm like I, that's so nice that you love them because I think it's a fucking um, horrible movie I do think it is uh, which is totally fine I do think it is way too manufactured they should not let my I need a t-shirt that says my problem is with Sorkin the director not Sorkin the screenwriter <laughs> yeah yeah um but um, i think the but i think in your in this i was gonna say in your mind you're like i have a problem with both motherfuckers for this movie because yes. i think aaron sorkin was just like i do not think he understood the scope of the story that he was telling totally. i don't think he understood that i like some moments like i like some editing moments i like when they um put the raw footage of like the real events when they mix it in like with the rioting etc i thought that was cool and yes. effective a lot of the rest of it, I'm just like, why didn't you? You are the king of exposition. You are the king of telling me exactly what the fuck is happening. And you decide in t- the year of our Lord 2020, 2020 to drop me into a courtroom drama where you haven't explained why we're even in the courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> I have such a problem guys, with that. Guys, okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am team. The trial of Chicago 7 was good. Was it great? No. Was it bad? Absolutely not. It was good. I think it was a great powerhouse cast. I think it was phenomenal um, in that way. I think it has problems with... I think the individual beats were great. I think it has problems with, with it being too manufactured. It didn't feel authentic or as natural as I wanted it to. Um, and I think that Aaron Sorkin should end his career as a director. Um, so I'm that team. Jessica, what team are you? I'm on the team that this movie is terrible. <laughs> um, I I just don't see a lot of like there redeemable is. qualities <laughs> to this movie, despite some of the performances and some of the editing. It just feels like it's 
it was trying to do too much without paying attention to what needed to be paid attention to. Like, we just threw away storylines that are way more intriguing and way more uh, important, in my opinion. You know what I want? Tell me. I want a stoner comedy starring Jeremy Strong. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> I'm fucking on board with that. And... Aaron Sorkin does not need to write or direct. It. I think In fact, Aaron Sorkin he can was trying to turn the trial of Chicago away. Seven into a, sto- a stoner <laughs> comedy starring Jeremy Strong. <laughs> That's what I think was trying to happen. Order, order in this court. Oh my god! Anyway, we really only oh, yeah. me- we really only meant to talk about it for like two seconds, but we got really riled up there. We got very riled up. Anyway, the point is. Just go watch the movie because if you watch it, at the very least, you can formulate your own opinion and you can decide what team you're on. Yeah, that's the only reason why you should watch it. Besides that, I'd say don't waste your time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. I love you, but not in this one. Aaron Sorkin, stop directing. I'm going to make one of those lists, one of those signature collection lists that's like, hey, baby, stop directing. <laughs> All right. Well... Uh. So that was Aaron Sorkin. Um, there's a lot of mixed feelings and mixed opinions, but I think mm-hmm. that's what he inspires in people in general. That's the whole point. Because I know people who fucking hate Aaron Sorkin. The duality of men. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Monica, what have you been dabbling in? I've been dabbling in a lot of, I- I've been trying to perfect my bird. Your bird. My bird. Your bird is brining. Um, my bird is currently brining the fridge. Um, and bird meaning chicken, by the way, not a, I'm not a yeah, fucking because tur- This episode comes lover. out post Thanksgiving, but in, in the real world, I'm trying to figure out right now, which bird is best. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> Monica I've been in bird watching. I've been dabbling in some bird watching <laughs> as of late. Uh, so there's a spatchcocked guy in the fridge right now. Fuck yeah. So, yeah. What about you, Yesica? I'm trying to get back into baking, man. Ah. I haven't baked something in a long time. And I used to be so, I mean, I say used to like three months ago. So in another life, in another into time. Into baking. Um, but, you know, because when I wasn't working during quarantine, it was like that I would do it all the time because I was bored. And now I have a fucking job. So, you know, it's frustrating. But today I'm making a cranberry tart. Oh, it'll be very exciting. I'm excited. Uh, I love cranberries. Anyway, this is enough. You guys have heard enough You've heard come enough out from of my mouse mouths. Mouse. <laughs> come out of my mouse. Come out of my mouse. Rosito. Oh my god. <laughs> um we don't have a question for this week right no we don't it's a question free week which means you guys should be asking us questions uh we have a forum on our website johnfavrosemydaddy.com that is just literally our podcast name email us at John Favreau is allegedly my daddy at gmail.com, right? Now, or is it, yes. or is it just John Favreau is my daddy at gmail.com? No, nope, we haven't made that one yet. <laughs> okay, so it's John Favreau is allegedly my daddy at gmail.com, or DM us at our newest Instagram page. Oh my God. Because John in- Favreau is my daddy pod because Instagram still hasn't given us our account back. Which is just insane to me. <laughs> How long has it been? Like, too long. Two weeks? I've heard it takes months. Whatever. We'll get it back. <laughs> Fucking we'll get so, it back. Man uh thank you guys for thank you i mean i don't know if it's gonna be the same at this point i expect that we'll get famous overnight but we currently have 750 listeners exactly uh thank you all thank you thank you (laughs) thank you for the Um, fame i won't forget you and with (laughs) that 
Don't sue us, Daddy Fabro. Goodbye, Monica. Goodbye, Jessica. And happy birthday, Aaron. Happy birthday, Aaron. Not Sorkin. Jacob. Aaron Jacob, our audio <laughs> man. Thank you. Do, do, happy, do, birthday. Do. happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Thanks.